You're listening to the Opportunity Zones and Private Equity Show. Listen in for news and insights on how Opportunity Zones, private equity funds, and private real estate can help you grow your wealth. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Mr. Ashley Tyson at OZ Pros. He's also affectionately known as the OZ Sherpa. We have a lot of questions already that have been coming into the Q&A throughout the course of the day. There's a couple dozen questions in there already. If you do have any questions on any OZ topic that you could possibly conjure up, send it into the chat or into the Q&A and we'll throw it at Ashley. First question for you, Ashley. I'm going to try to stump you right away. I was just going to say, I'm going to make good on my dunk tank at some point in time where I shoot this in a dunk tank. And if somebody actually stumps me, it drops me in the water. uh, All right, let's get the first one. Question from David. If you have an OZ that is also in an enterprise zone, I don't know if you know about those, Ashley, and you're going to turn it into a metro district, are there additional tax incentives that can be offered to investors to lower the tax burden? Can you can you stack multiple tax credit programs, Absolutely. tax investment programs? Absolutely. And so um, there's we actually work closely with uh, Gordon Goldie inside of the Ozworks group, and he's going to be doing a webinar on the new market tax credit program. And how you go about applying for that, how you, uh, you know, how you can lever and layer the incentives. And so the answer is absolutely yes. The thing you need to be careful for from in the new market tax credit relative to the enterprise zone is that you really need to have a substantial commercial component to it. And, uh, and so you can't just be like a pure residential play. But assuming that, you know, I think he said he was going to do a discotheque or something. So, I, you know, I want to, I want to, I think that that's what he said he was doing, but that would be fantastic. Well, it, 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 this question did come in from Super Dave. So that wouldn't surprise me. That's right. So yeah, you can absolutely stack those tax incentives. Good. Uh, Will asks, I've read that the pass-through earnings from business activity in OZs is also tax privileged. Is that true? Can you clarify that point? So is it, I'm assuming that you're talking about income and unfortunately, no. So the income that's coming in off of your Opportunity Zone deal is going to be taxed at normal uh, rates. Now, one of the things that I, you know, that is available inside of that is that once you get money behind the Qualified Opportunity Fund veil, like once you get capital gains into that entity, any money that gets generated, whether it's through a refinance or whether it's through cash flow, is eligible to be reinvested. So if your pass-through entity is generating income, you could reinvest that into qualified opportunity zone property and be able to take advantage of channeling that income into tax-free assets and then exit it all, uh, you know, capital gains free uh, in 10 years. Now, important about that is, is that you're effectively going to be generating phantom income through that because it's a pass-through entity. And so whatever taxes happen are going to come up to the investors inside of that entity. But it's certainly an option, certainly something that we've explored at length in the boot camp, because I think that savvy folks realize that this is kind of a, it's kind of because you don't get all of the income on it, but it's like a super Roth IRA. And so how can you take uh, the opportunity zone and make it more walk and talk like a, a Roth IRA? And that's one of the strategies. And we're going to be talking about that very topic, the concept of the super Roth IRA in our afternoon discussion, wealth development strategies with opportunity zones. Uh, we're going to be talking about that quite a bit. Silicon Valley Bank. I know that was a term on the bingo card. Let's talk about SVB and Signature Bank and the other uh, banking pressure or turmoil, you may term it. Um, do you have any thoughts on how that may affect 
opportunity zone investment, either positively or negatively? Another question there from Super Dave. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you know, it's just like anything else, right? It creates a hubbub and concern for folks relative to the liquidity that um, that opportunity funds and QOZBs have on their books as they raise money and what they're doing relative to strategies with respect to protecting that liquidity. And so as a sponsor, you want to make sure that you've got your ducks in a row and that you're communicating with your investors and your prospective investors about how you're mitigating that risk. And so I know that most of the sponsors, and certainly I think the ones that are on here today, have really robust programs for how they balance their uh, you know, how they balance their funds across multiple accounts, even if it's not technically in multiple yeah. different banks, they've got it set up so that it, um, that it will get FDIC in protection. And I think that that's a crucial element. I think that one of the opportunities here is for folks to be able to point out to this stuff and point out how you're dealing with this issue and utilize it as an opportunity to reach out to your investors and your prospective investors about what you're doing in order to potentially mitigate this risk. Excellent, Ashley. Uh, well, let's keep moving along with the questions here. Can I do a 1031 exchange into an Opportunity Zone fund? How, how, what's, what's, the, what's the deal with the interplay between 1031s and OZs? The answer is no, because you either 1031 or you elect under Section 1400Z, which is the codification of the Opportunity Zone program. And you can only make one election for a capital gain. And so one of the things that Opportunity Zones presents, though, is for a failed 1031 exchange, if somebody's gone into a QI and they failed to be able to close on their property or, and, and this is, is where it gets a little bit tricky inside of that, is if you're going to plan on doing that and you want an, a backstop hedge of using the Opportunity Zones, only designate one property because then your QI will, uh, will refund the balance of it to you prior to the 180 days. Because the 180 days that they're required to keep your money is literally a day past the 180 day requirement of when you invest inside of a, an Opportunity Zone. The Opportunity Zone starts the day of the sale. The uh, QI starts the day after. And so that's really relevant for purposes of, um, you know, for computing that out. Now, if you've got the great thing about the Opportunity Zone program is that you don't have to use a QI. You can uh, money's fungible. And so if you've got money tied up with a QI and you've got other money that you can pull in order to be able to put it in there, then you can, you, you know, you can offset that and drop it in if for whatever reason it doesn't look like your 1031 is going to happen. But you cannot twine the two. Good to know. Ashley, I just scanned your QR code. You've really upped your game. This is impressive. Uh, it's, uh, I, it's an offer I tell you for- what, man, uh, I got special deals going on for everybody that's at OZ Pitch Day. So scan that sucker, go to the zone and, uh, and schedule your strategy call. We got webinars on there. We got other resources. Uh, I think we've got links to some of our other you know, uh, strategic partners that are doing really cool tax mitigation stuff. And so- um, Jimmy, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to play in your world, man. Your game is unbelievable on online. And so I'm aspiring to Jimmy Atkinson status. No, it's a, it's a big step up from, uh, giving us a link that didn't work, which I think happened a year or two ago when you did one of these segments you got it a QR not code, the link me. works. It looks great. Uh, Wallace asks if I want to borrow from my QOF, is there a limit and when does it have to be paid back? What's that process look like exactly? Awesome question. There is no limit now, but the thing you need to be concerned about if you're borrowing from your QOF is that when you invest your money into the, your QOF, you've got to hit a 90% investment standard and you get a six month break on your first uh, test, but it's effectively going to shift you to the next six month test. So if you've invested between January 1st 
and June 30th, then your first test is going to be December 31st. So if you're funding it right now, you would be able to effectively borrow against your QOF until December 31st of this year. If you fund it after July 1st, that's going to kick you to June 30th of next year. And so you could borrow it from until June 30th of next year. You want to make sure that you've got it in something liquid enough to put it back into your fund so that that way you can drop it down into your QOZB. And so you can effectively hit that 90% standard. So that's the crucial piece of that when you're borrowing from your fund. The other piece is, is that if you're borrowing from your QOZB, if you were planning on, so number one, I don't recommend, so I'm the OZ Sherpa, I'm going to try to give you middle of the road advice and don't do it back to back. So technically you got 31 months inside of your QOZB that you could borrow the money. I highly recommend not doing that. Do it for the first 18 months. If for whatever reason you have to do it for a follow-on and you want to get the remaining 12 to 13 months out of that, make sure it's a different terms because the IRS could impute it as an extension of the original loan. All right. Great answer. Uh, Jack's got a good question here. Let's turn to Jack. He asks, from a developer standpoint, what are the main exposures and insurance risks that you face, as well as just insurance risks for opportunity zones in general? Yeah. And so this is actually, that's a great question. And I'm glad he asked it. So there's all of the stuff that you have relative to just doing a development. You got uh, property risk, you got the, the storm risk, you got terrorist risk, you got COVID, you know, pandemic risk, all that kind of stuff. But then on top of that, you got the risk that the stance that you're taking could be uh, invalidated by the IRS or that something in the nuance of that could be an issue that comes up later. So number one, if you can get insurance for that, that's clutch. I do know that there's a number of insurance providers. There's one main one that actually has a policy that ensures exactly that. Uh, the other piece is, is that you want to make sure that you disclose all of the opportunity zone specific risks in your private placement memorandum because you want to make sure that your investors are aware that there's extra risk associated with doing an OZ. All right. Michael has a question here. Um, Michael, I'm going to reword your question a little bit. If, I, if I'm interpreting it incorrectly, please let me know. He says he's already deposited some gains. He's deployed some gains. I'm sorry. He's invested some gains into his own qualified opportunity fund, and he's deposited those gains into his QOZB from the, from the QOF. Can he still invest more funds from his QOF into a different QOZB? So that's unequivocally yes, right? So he could take money if he's got it from his QOF and he's got extra cash or he puts new money into his QOF, that can absolutely go into another QOZB. What he could also do is if for whatever reason he doesn't have new money, he could take the money out of his existing QOZB, pull it up to his QOF and then invest into another QOZB. We see that happen all the time because business plans change, right? The the risk dynamic has substantially changed where you're like, hey, listen, I don't want to do this myself anymore. I want to put it with a professionally managed fund who's operating a QOZB and who will accommodate a direct investment. And so you can put it straight into the, their QOZB. If for whatever reason they can't accommodate it and you want to put it into their deal anyhow, what we've had people do is distribute the money up to their QOF, then out to themselves, and then make the investment into the new deal I know that there's another substantial fund that's out there that's actually doing mergers. If it's a single uh, asset QOF and QOZB and they don't have any real estate, it's just been money that they've deployed. They'll actually merge your entity into theirs. And that's a really cool result because then you're like, hey, listen, I don't want to fool this anymore. I want to go with somebody that's professionally managed in this. And they effectively, uh, they don't restart your 10-year clock. 
if you go the route where you distribute from your fund and trigger an inclusion event, that's going to restart your tenure clock. But for some folks, it's worth it. Uh, great answer. Once again, Ashley, I, have, I don't think I've stumped you yet. Uh, let's see if I can find one that might stump you here. Uh, let's see. Harold, we'll go to Harold's question. Harold asks, if we own a parcel in an Opportunity Zone fund and want to develop it, how can we structure something so that we can roll over the step up in basis as a gain into the QOF created to develop the property? Did you get all that? So the answer is you can't right? Because the, the, the legislation specifically precludes circular transactions with the exception of one arrangement and one way that we've been able to solve this. If you were to sell the land to a third-party ground lease company, and that third-party ground lease company was to lease back either to your QOF or even better to a new QOZB that you formed to do the improvements on it, you'll be able to have a third party from a, a capital gain from an unrelated party that you can drop into your QOF. And now the property is going to be, uh, it's going to be qualifying as well because you've ground leased it from a third party. And then if in the terms of that ground lease, you want to buy it back at some point in time for some kind of premium, you can absolutely do that because it is a third party. Now, if you're going to ground lease it yourself, which you could theoretically do to like a new fund, it's a little bit trickier, then you need to make sure that there aren't any prepayments, that it's at arm's length and that kind of thing. But the third party piece of that solves that problem. So we're, we were really excited when we came across that. There's some folks that are in our OZ Pros boot camp that are actually working on establishing a third party ground lease company in order to solve this problem, which continues to come up right on the 2000 strategy calls that I've had. I can't tell you how many times this has come up, Jimmy. And so um, hopefully we'll have that ready to roll. But in the meantime, if you've got somebody that you could plug into that spot, you could do it that way. That's a lot of strategy calls, Ashley. Hey, Alex asked the question about 2026. There's a lot of deadlines flying at, flying around out there. So he asked, does all qualified opportunity zone business capital need to be deployed before 2026? Maybe you can speak to some of the deadlines and the dates. No. So December 31st, 2026 is when you have to generate the gain. That's when gains can be eligible to be reinvested, which if it came through a K-1, you could have all the way up until September 10th of 2027 to actually put into a qualified opportunity fund. So then once you get into a fund, then the fund's got between six months and a year to put it into a QOZB. And then the QOZB has 31 months to deploy that cash. Now, once you have capital gains inside of a fund, there's nothing that precludes you from borrowing money, from loaning money into your QOF or QOZB to do additional deals. Uh, there was some confusion about the, uh, the zones expiring in 2028. I specifically asked that question to Dan Kowalski, uh, who is, you know, who was responsible as the chair of Treasury, who wrote the regs. And he said, no, man, we took care of that. We took care of that in this year. You don't have to worry about that. You can continue doing deals. I was like, all right, it's from the man himself. I'm going on Dan's word. Dan's the man, as we like to say. That's right. Uh, let's talk about non-qualified financial property. Um, a, a, and, and if you want to introduce a naughty by nature reference, I think, Ashley, you and I did a rap about NQFP. Yeah, you know me at one point. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> so the question here from Scott is, can you speak to the kinds of securities that can and can't be held in that 10% remaining in a QOF as an investment after pushing 90% down to the QOZB level? So there's, there's actually nothing inside of that 10% uh, 
uh, at the QOF level, there's no restriction. You can put it into anything that you want. Now, the question is, is whether or not, and as you put it into that, whether you have purchased it or whether you have contributed as capital. So once again, Gordon Goldie um, and uh, the experts inside of the uh, compliance uh, meeting that happens once a month inside of Osworks Group, which is a great organization. If you guys haven't heard of it, you're not a part of it. Uh, Chris Cooley runs that, and it's a chance to kind of get involved with other Opportunity Zone folks and that kind of thing. And that's one of the things that we bounced around is how does that work? How do you lock in that value, particularly if you're investing into like a uh, like a private placement or into another entity? And the problem is, is that if you fund it in as equity, then it's going to adjust the fair market value every six months. And so the key is, is that you need to purchase your interest in a private LLC in order to lock in. And I think that that holds the same thing as it relates to your securities. Um, something worth asking Gordon about is if like marketable securities, because there is a market value on that, if those lock in at your uh, at your unadjusted cost basis, or if those adjust every six months. And that so there, we finally found one, Jimmy, stumped me on that one. I don't know the answer to that specific one. And so we're going to go to we're going to go to the experts and we're going to find that out and we're going to have that one ready to go for next time. And I would be really wet right now if I was yeah, in that you dunk just, tank. You just got splashed in the dunk tank there, Ashley. Hey, we got time for, I think, maybe two more questions, one or two more questions. Let's see. Um, Alan wants to know, can IRA money invest in a QOF since it's not coming from capital gains? Question about that. So it could, right? So you could absolutely invest into a qualified opportunity fund. You would just be a non-qualifying investment. And so if you like a deal, that's actually a good way to make an investment into a deal if you don't have capital gains. But because the IRA is not going to have capital gains, it's not going to get the benefit of the opportunity zone, right? It's not going to get the step up because you already effectively have it inside of the IRA. So if you're investing non-qualifying, that's fine. If you're trying to get the benefit of it, then no, Get a capital gain from somewhere else, somewhere in your uh, non-deferred tax portfolio, taxable portfolio. Good. Uh, we had a, a link. Uh, I'm sorry, a question from somebody who asked, what is the link for your boot camp? So that's going to be ozpros.com slash pitch day, or you can scan the QR code. And I'm, I'm posting it in that, that Q&A section right now as well. Let's and see. I just posted it in the chat. Perfect. Thank you, Ashley. Ashley, do you see any questions that jump out to you in the last minute or two here? I've been moderating. Uh, um, we've got that one that says, how do we extend the time on it? Uh, I'm an LP in a number of QOFs that have been around more than a year. So wondering how they extend their time frame to invest in dirt. So if that QOF has not invested into something, either through a QOZB or directly, you need to be very concerned that they've uh, actually met the 90% test. Hopefully they have. But if, they're, if they were coming up to the end of that, one of the easy ways is to drop it down into a QOZB. Or alternatively, if it's your own QOF and you're like, listen, I'm done. I don't want to fool with this. You can distribute it out to yourself. That triggers an inclusion event. And then you've got 180 days to reinvest that into another QOF if you so, if you so choose. All right. Perfect. Well, Ashley, we are running out of time. We have a ton of questions still in the Q&A. If you want to, you can simply turn off your camera and mute your mute your microphone, turn off the camera in a moment, and I'll let you stick around as a panelist during our next presentation so you can answer all of those questions in the Q&A if you want to. Um, otherwise, how can folks reach out to you? What's the best way to uh, get in touch with you? 
So literally just scan this code or go to that link and you can set a strategy call uh, with myself or you can join bootcamp. And I think that bootcamp is one of the greatest values out there. There is no other place that gets together on a weekly basis with the level of uh, brain power that we have inside of bootcamp to be able to answer opportunity zone issues, to be able to strategize. And we've got people in there from beginner to advanced. So we hit 101 questions to 401 questions, and you learn a little bit with everybody's question. So I think that that's one of the greatest values, and you can sign up for that at this QR code or on the, in that link that's in the chat. And uh, and then we also set up QOFs and QOZBs for folks if they're interested in that. And so look forward to seeing you guys on a strategy call and um, and leading you to the top of uh, Mount OZ. Which is right behind you. Exactly. Enough. It's actually kind of a little halo right there, right? I didn't even see that, you know? And it's trust me, that's not because of anything I have been doing or not doing recently. All right. Um, we'll save that for another discussion another time, actually. But uh, thanks so much. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.